Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for being here at DCC today. If you cannot tell, Pastor Rocky's not here today. He's enjoying a little bit of time off and time out of town. I was thinking about it the other day since... The, uh, the COVID shutdown, where we went completely online, from that point in March all the way up until last week, Pastor Rocky's preached every weekend, plus he's been in charge of opening up a brand new facility in that time. I would say if anybody needed a little bit of a break, it was Pastor Rocky. So he's taken a little bit of uh, well-deserved time off today, so keep him and, and Mandy in your prayers as they're traveling and just enjoying a little bit of rest and relaxation. Um, I know we've had a lot of guests uh, first-time guests come through since we've opened the doors of this amazing facility. And so there's a chance that we have not had an opportunity to meet yet, and if that's the case, let me introduce myself. My name is Andrew Petrush. I'm the administrative pastor here at Destiny Community Church, and I'm honored to get... <laughs> In case you're unsure, people are really excited about the title administrative pastor. That's why they were clapping. Um, but I'm, I'm honored to be able to share God's word with you this morning. I always am humbled with this opportunity, and today is no exception to that. Um, we're coming right off of the heels of an amazing series called Living Room. If you were around for that, how amazing was that series? Um, man, just incredible. All, I think all time my favorite series that we've ever done. And I was so challenged. Thank you so much to the families who participated in that and were willing to come up here and be open and honest and share um, success and shortcomings and all of that with us and kind of bare your souls so that we could all grow in our faith. Man, it was absolutely incredible, incredible. I'm still kind of mulling through all of the, the truths that came out through that series. And I'm just so grateful to be able to have been here for that. So today, on the heels of that series, we're going to do a standalone message today called Conquering Confusion. Conquering Confusion. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Judges chapter 7. We're going to end up there in just a moment. Um, we're going to dive right into God's Word, but before we get to our actual text, I want to go ahead and provide a little bit of context to build around this so we're all starting in our reading today at the same place. So the, these chapters in Judges are about and surround the life of a man named Gideon. Gideon is a pretty popular figure in the Bible for a lot of different reasons, but Gideon's just kind of an average guy. Gideon is kind of just not anything special, not anything extraordinary, but God calls him to do something extraordinary. That's why I like the story of Gideon so much, because I feel like if God can take somebody like Gideon, who's very normal, who's very average, and do something extraordinary with him, then God can do something like that in our lives as well. And so God calls Gideon to a huge task. You see, at the time, there were these, this army of Midianites, this, this outside group, this outside nation that had taken over Israel and was, was basically stealing everything from the nation of Israel. And it was time that God was fed up and he was like, Israel's gonna take back over Gideon, you're gonna lead the army. And Gideon's a little confused by this because again, he's nothing special. He's not a commander, he's not a fighter, he's not a warrior. But God calls him out to do something incredible, and when he does, Gideon would like some reassurance, as most of us would in that moment. And so he lays out some fleeces, and he gets some confirmations, and he says, fine, this is accurate, this is what God wants me to do, I'm going to lead this army. And so he does an all-call. Any man who's willing to fight, come on out, and 32,000 men strong come out to fight the enemy of the Midianites. And when everybody shows up, God tells Gideon, it's too many people. We got to send some of them home. So tell all of them, if anybody's afraid, you can leave now. 22,000 people, gone. So now there's an army of 10,000, and God says, still too much. So he brings them down to 
a, a stream and he says, how they drink the water out of that stream is gonna determine whether they're gonna be in your army or whether they're gonna go home. And because of that moment, the army was thinned down to 300 men. And so it went from 32,000 warriors to 300 men, and they were going up against a Midianite army who is estimated to have had, at least in this one battle, at least 135,000 soldiers. Now, I am not a math expert. I don't math. And so I looked it up on a calculator. And that is the odds of about 450 to 1. I'm not a genius when it comes to warfare either, but I'm I'm guessing that's not good odds, right? And so this is where we find Gideon in our text today. Gideon has this army that's been whittled down to 300. It's 450 against one. That's the odds that are being played out. And so he's standing there and he's trying to figure out what he's gonna do. And this is how the battle ensues in Judges chapter seven, starting in verse 16. And he divided the 300 men into three companies and put trumpets into the hands of all of them and empty jars with torches inside the jars. And he said to them, look at me and do likewise. When I come to the outskirts of the camp, do as I do. When I blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me, then blow the trumpets also on every side of the camp and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. So Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outskirts of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch when they had just set the watch. And they blew the trumpets and smashed the jars that were in their hands. Then the three companies blew their trumpets and broke the jars. They held in their left hands the torches and in their right hands the trumpets to blow. And they cried out a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Verse 21, every man stood in his place around the camp and the enemy ran. They cried out and fled. Let's pray this morning. God, we thank you for this opportunity to open your word. God, I pray that you would open our hearts. I pray that this word, as it is living and active, God, that it would, it would shine truth into our lives, God, and that you would challenge us to live in that truth. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Have you ever been told that you look like somebody else? Do you get this a lot? Maybe it's just me, but maybe I have one of those faces or one of those haircuts. I don't know, but I get it a lot. Like, it's okay to laugh at that joke. It's all right. I know I'm bald. I don't know. I, I get this often. And, and sometimes it's like famous people, you know, like the doppelganger effect. Like, you know, I, I get compared to some, like Caleb McKinley a few years ago sent me a text uh, and said, hey, uh, it looked like you were on the sidelines uh, in, on the bench of an NBA game last night. And he sent me this picture right here of Kendall Marshall. Uh, and so, um, so that's angry Andrew. I'll try to do the face if I can. It's pretty close, right? Um, that was while the shot was going up and he was trying to distract the player. The next picture, uh, that's sad Kendall slash Andrew. Um, so a little disappointed. Is that a little better? So, so I, I, I have some of that. Like, it's, pretty, it's pretty scary how similar that is, right? I mean, that's um, it's a pretty good one. When I was younger, this is going to be way harder for you to believe, just so you know, so just get ready. When I was younger and had beautiful locks of hair, right, I would often get mistaken or asked if I was Carson Daly. This is not a lie, I promise you. This one's harder to see, I know, I know. We're both amazingly handsome men, but I would get asked all the time, like, are you Carson? Like, I'm not kidding, one time in the mall, I'm minding my own business, I'm probably 19 years old, I'm walking through the mall, and a girl walks up to me and she says, are you Carson Daly? And I was young and I was single and I said, absolutely, I am. <laughs> we'll be right back to TRL after these messages. I'm just kidding, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. Some of you don't know what TRL is, and, and you can tell. 
Y'all grew up in the era when MTV didn't play music videos, but that's a whole nother sermon for a whole nother day. But more often than not, I get compared to people that I know or people that are around, right? And so, in fact, there's this one person that I get confused for often. There's a family that their kids attend the same school that my kids attend and then where my wife works. And when we get together uh, for functions and events on school property, there's always kind of this running joke. We look so similar that we often are confused for each other. A couple years, actually just this last year, we went to the preschool because my son was doing this little Thanksgiving song thing. Well, I say he was doing a Thanksgiving song. All the other kids sang. He just knelt down and got in the fetal position and refused to sing. So that's fun for preschool. Um, and so I'm standing there trying to enjoy the, the production, and somebody just walks up kind of like behind me and right about here and just starts talking to me. It's like small talk, like, oh, these kids are so cute and all that kind of stuff. And I thought they were just talking to me just to make small talk. And I turn around to talk to them, and they're like, oh, you're not so-and-so, and they say the name of this other person. I'm like, I'm so sorry to disappoint you, but no, I'm not. And then they didn't talk to me anymore, so they really just wanted to talk to that one person. There was another time that I was at an event at a fundraiser banquet for CIRA, the Crisis Pregnancy Center here in Gainesville. And I'm standing talking to somebody, and all of a sudden from behind me, I just get like bear hugged, like big dude bear hugs me from behind me, which first of all, like even before COVID-19, like I had a bubble, like six feet is about right for me. You know what I'm saying? Like that's about, like I have this personal space bubble. If you have one, you know what I'm talking about. And so he broke the bubble anyway. And so I was already a little on edge and I didn't know who this person was because he started talking to me as he has me wrapped up from, you know, like, like really, really tight. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what is happening right now? And he's talking to me. He finally lets go and I turn around and he sees me and my face and he's like, oh, you're not so-and-so. It happens again. And I'm like, no, I'm not, but it's nice to meet you, I guess. Like, that's an interesting way to make an introduction. But the funniest time that this happened when I was mistaken for somebody else was at a school play. School play, tons of people in the room. After the play was over, everybody was making their way into a smaller room for, uh, like, refreshments and a reception that was happening afterwards. So just shoulder to shoulder, we're just moving through these hallways, just really, really tight. And I'm walking through, and, and my wife is standing beside me, and she's holding our son, and my daughter is, is over here. And all of a sudden, as I'm walking on my right hand, I feel a little hand grab my hand. I know that all of my family is on this side of me, so I know that it's not one of my kids. And like, if this has ever happened to you, like, you know, in big crowds, sometimes kids get, you know, they, they just don't pay attention. They just reach for a hand they assume is one of their parents. And so I look down, and whose hand am I holding but for the child of this other man that I get confused with all the time when I'm on campus? So I look down, and it's this kid's, this father's son. And I'm like, oh man, what do I do right now, right? Because if like he's not paying attention at all, he's just walking. He's completely trusting that he is holding his father's hand, even though it's my hand. And I'm like, if I make a big deal out of this, he might just freak out, right? And so I just kind of walk, and I'm just looking at him the whole time, like, hey, I want you to notice what's happening before I bring it up to you. That's going to be way less awkward for everybody. So like, I'm just walking and looking, and finally he looks up at me, and his eyes get real wide, and he like drops my hand slowly. And as he's figuring it out, I was like, I'll help you find your dad. And so his dad was like two people away. So I made sure that he, get, he got to his dad. But man, that kid was so confused. Wide-eyed, had no idea what was happening. And if I could describe our culture and our society today, I think that's a pretty good representation, that we are confused, wide-eyed, no idea what's happening some of the time. You see, the definition of confusion is a lack of understanding, to be unclear about something, or uncertainty. 
And that word uncertainty has been used more in the last four and a half months than I have ever heard in my entire life, right? In these uncertain times. How many times have you heard that since this pandemic started to hit? We've heard it all over the place. And, 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 it, and it follows kind of this idea of confusion that has infused our society. In these uncertain times, confusion is at an all-time high. I mean, think about it. We have, at this point in history, access to more knowledge and more information than we have ever had. In your pocket right now, you have a device where you can look up anything you want to look up and know anything that you want to know. We can consume information at record speeds, yet we are still more confused than ever even with those devices in our pockets. Some people would describe or make the point that they have made us more confused, which may not be wrong. When's the last time you were in a conversation, you disagree with something about somebody and they didn't Google it? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's where we're at. So just confusion is rampant right now. And, and, and especially with societal issues, right? When it, when it comes to race and equality and all of the conversations and all of the arguments and all of the, the disagreements and all of the opinions that are surrounding that, it's just a confusing time to live through. With COVID-19, man, you listen to one person talk about it and everybody's gonna die. You listen to another person talk about it and it's a complete hoax and then everything in between and there's so much confusion swirling around and then I heard there's something called murder hornets. My goodness gracious, what is 2020? Like there are murder hornets coming from other countries to the United States of America, right? We've got a hurricane literally off the coast of Florida right now. And it's so bad that nobody even cares. Nobody was filling their gas tanks. Nobody was getting everything ready to go. Nobody was prepping. Nobody even cares. It's like that's the least thing. Come on, hurricane. That seems normal right now, right? And... To top it all off, to add to the confusion, if you didn't feel confused enough already, it's an election year. <laughs> Goodness gracious, man. Times are confusing. And then on top of that, we've got all the personal stuff that happens in our lives, not just the societal issues, but we've got all the personal stuff that happens in, in our own circles, in our own homes, in our own lives that kind of adds to that. You know, maybe right now you're facing a huge decision in your life. Maybe it's a job change, maybe it's a, a relocation, maybe whatever it is, like it's a big decision. And there's a lot of confusion surrounding this decision for you and maybe for your family. You're trying to figure out what's going on. Maybe for you, because school's about to come up, you're trying to figure out this whole school in the midst of COVID-19 and what's best for your family, what's best for your kids, and you're trying to figure out what's gonna happen in a couple of weeks. And there's just a lot of confusion about that. Maybe for you, it's finances. Maybe COVID hit your, um, you know, your industry, and so it's just, it's, it's tough. It's tough right now, and there's a lot of confusion, uncertainty, trying to figure out how the ends are all going to meet. Maybe for you, it's something health. Maybe it's a, a battle that you've been experiencing, some pain or a diagnosis or whatever it might be. And there's just a lot of confusion surrounding that. Or maybe it's a relationship. Maybe there's a deterioration happening in a relationship in your life. Maybe it's with a spouse or maybe it's with a, a parent or a child or a friend or a family member. There's a lot of confusion. We don't understand sometimes. Things are unclear sometimes. There's a lot of uncertainty. But here's the good news. You guys ready for some good news after COVID and murder hornets and hurricanes? Here's the good news. You ready? 1 Corinthians 14, 33. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. God is not a God of confusion, but God is a God 
of peace. That means that when we experience that confusion in our hearts and our minds that did not come from God, when we experience peace in our hearts and minds, that is what comes from God. In fact, the very nature of God is the opposite of confusion. God is never confused. He's never surprised. He's never unclear. He's never like, oh, that caught me off guard, right? He's not up there thinking, oh man, COVID-19, I had no idea that was going to be that big of a deal. Like, it doesn't catch him off guard. It doesn't surprise him. In his very nature, it is the opposite of confusion. In fact, God takes confusing things and he clarifies them. In the very creation narrative, when God is creating the heavens and the earth and he's starting from nothing, the Bible describes it as formless and void. There is nothing. Chaos. Confusion. He takes the chaos and the confusion and he creates. He separates light from dark and the earth from the water. And he does amazing things in the middle of all of this chaos and confusion. And I can tell you today that if God can bring clarity to the confusion of creation, then he can bring clarity to the confusion of your mind today. I know that for sure. But there is this disconnect because sometimes we think that a lack of confusion in our minds means a lack of circumstances in our lives. We think that to not be confused here, everything has to be perfect out here, but in reality, the, the, the clarity and the, the, the peace and the freedom that God can bring us is not an absence of circumstances, it is clarity and peace in the midst of those circumstances. It's the kind of peace that the Bible says passes all understanding. In, in another way of saying it, God will give us peace that just doesn't make any sense. God will give us peace in moments when we shouldn't have peace. He'll give us clarity when everything in the world is going wrong, but we can still have trust and faith in the one who can give us peace in the middle of all of that. It's the reason why I've, I've, I've sat down with families and people who have had diagnoses that have been life-altering, life-changing, cancer and they still have more peace and hope and joy in their hearts than another person who's not going through half of what they're going through. The circumstances look rough. The circumstances are confusing. Everything is swirling around them, but there is this peace inside of them. That's the kind of peace that God can bring instead of that confusion. I, I, I heard this story years ago, and I've told it so many times, and if you've heard it before, I apologize. It's just so strong, and it impacted me so much that Years ago, there was this underground church in Asia, and they were all kidnapped by terrorists, and they were brought into this underground bunker for days and days and days. And they were in there together, and they were worshiping, and they were having church. But every time that they saw an armed guard come down and take one of them out, they never saw that person again, and so they knew it was only a matter of time. They were holding them for ransom. Finally, some of these men and women survived the ordeal, and they were asked about it later on. And they, they would all kind of say some of the same things, but all of them kind of centered around, sometimes I wish that we were back in there, which doesn't make any sense to us. And when they would be asked why they wanted to go back to that place, they said they felt as close to God as they've ever felt, and that there was this peace that they had in those moments. Now, in that environment, there should have not been any peace at all. There should not have been any clarity. There should be nothing but confusion in that moment. But God can bring clarity into the middle of a situation that seems like it should be confusing. He can bring peace into those moments in our lives that seem like they should be anything but peaceful. You see, we don't have to be confused even though everything around us is confusing. Even though the media is confusing, even though our society is confusing, we don't have to be confused we can actually conquer 
confusion. And there is no better example of this in the Old Testament than Gideon. See, I think about how, how incredibly, incredibly confusing it must have been for Gideon in this moment. I mean, he sends the all call. Everybody that wants to come out and fight, come out and fight. 32,000 people show up. He only ends up with 300. And then on top of that, when they go into battle, they don't go into battle with swords and shields and spears. They go into battle with pots and torches and trumpets. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. As far as military strategy, this is not a good strategy at all. This plan is full of uncertainty, and it has to be confusing for Gideon. And so in this moment, Gideon has a choice. Do I obey God, and do I send all these guys home and use these unconventional tools to try and fight a battle that we have no business winning? Or do I keep all 32,000 of these people, hand them swords and, and, and spears, and just go at it because that makes more sense to me. You see, Gideon had this moment where he had to choose to follow his pride, what he knew, or to choose to follow God and what God knew. Am I going to do things my way or am I going to do things God's way? And we have this choice in every decision that we make. Now, hindsight gives us the opportunity to look at this and see that if Gideon would have followed his pride and just sent 32,000 strong in against 135,000 with weapons, they were no chance they were going to lose. They were all going to be gone. They would have been defeated. But instead, he chose to humble himself, not do things his way that made sense to him, but he chose to do things God's way instead. See, 1 Peter 5 and 6 tells us to humble ourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. See, the problem that we have with this verse Besides humbling ourselves, that's really difficult to do, but it's not in our time that God lifts us up and exalts us into those places we feel like we should be lifted up and exalted into. It's in God's time. In his time, he's gonna make things happen the way that they should happen, and that's how it plays out in the life of Gideon. You see, all the times that Gideon is saying yes to God, after God calls him and he says, I'm not sure if this is you, I'm gonna lay out a fleece, and God answers that fleece. Well, let me just do one more just to make sure, and he puts out another one, and okay, that's sure, and so call all the army, 32,000, send some of them home, all right, yes to that, all right, you need to send more of them home, all right, yes to that. Every time that he gets Gideon to a place where he's uncomfortable, and he's asking him to step out, and he's asking him to say yes, every time that Gideon says yes, he's getting Gideon in a position of humility, so that when the victory came, he couldn't take credit for any of it. It even says that in there, God stacked all the odds so that he would get the glory. And maybe you feel that way this morning. Maybe you feel like all the odds are stacked against you today. Maybe you feel like your life is just one thing after another, after another, after another, and you cannot catch a breath. And the question that you're asking over and over and over again is, why God, why me? Why is this happening to me? When maybe the question we should be asking is, okay, God, what are you trying to show me? Because maybe, just maybe, in those moments, God can do more for us because he knows that he's gonna get the credit when he brings us through that season of our life. So if you're looking at your life right now and it's like everything's upside down and I'm so confused and I don't know what to do, you are a prime candidate for God to do some amazing things in your life and through your life, Amen even though the odds were stacked against Gideon in the natural. The great thing is we serve a God who doesn't operate in the natural. He operates in the supernatural. What might seem confusing to us, what we can see and feel and touch and experience in this natural realm, that is nothing compared to what God can do in the supernatural. And what humility does when I humble myself 
what that does is that gets me a glimpse into the supernatural. And so my question for you today is what, what battle are you fighting in your life right now in your own strength, in your own ability, out of your own pride? What battle are you fighting in the flesh when really you should be leaving it up to the Spirit to fight that battle for you? Because when we humble ourselves, he exalts us at the right time. James 4, 6 says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. You see, pride breeds confusion. Pride breeds confusion. And as long as we hold on to our pride and feel like we know better than God, now we never say that, but we act like it, that we know better than God, as long as we hold on to that pride, we are gonna continue to live confused. And the sooner that we choose to say yes to God, as uncomfortable as it feels sometimes, the sooner we're gonna start seeing some things clearly. That's what we want, right? We want clarity. We don't want confusion. We want clarity. And so if, if pride breeds confusion, then through the story of Gideon, we realize that obedience conquers confusion. If pride brings confusion into our lives because we know better and we're going to do it our own way, then obedience to God, on the other hand, conquers confusion. Even in the midst of confusion, even in the midst of Gideon probably having no idea how God was going to pull this off, he still chose to obey. You see, Gideon saying yes all of those times and saying yes to the dwindling of the army and yes to the pots and the torches and the trumpets, him saying yes over and over and over and over again got him in a position to conquer. All of those decisions then with the fleece and the thinning of the army and all of that got him to the moment where he gets to experience victory because Gideon understood something that we should all get and all understand today is that obedience now leads to victory later. Obedience right now in the little things in our lives leads to big victories later. Gideon saying yes to God when he put out those fleeces was the beginning, it was the start, it was obedience here that led to victory in the battle where it counted the most. Faithfulness in your marriage right now, in those little things, will lead to a successful marriage into the future, a strong marriage into the future, but it's the obedience now that gets us to the results that we want later. Not cutting corners on your job and being a, a man or a woman of integrity when you could do things outside of the, the, the rules, doing that now will set us up for opportunity and advancement and promotion later. That obedience right now sets us up for victory later. So maybe is there a place in your life where you feel like God is, is calling you out into a place of obedience, but maybe you've even kind of pushed off a little bit and you've been like, no, God, I can't do that. Maybe it was one of the conversations that happened on the couch that was up here during our last series. Maybe something that was said just kind of lit a fire in you. It lit a spark. You could feel something starting to pull at you in a direction of, if you'll just take the step of obedience, take the step of obedience, take the step of obedience. Maybe it was when we were talking about Sabbath and, and it, it's about taking and being intentional about separating some of that time for God in our lives. Maybe it was when we were talking about giving and you realize that God is calling you in to something else. Maybe it's to tithe for the first time or maybe it's some sacrificial giving or whatever that might look like. Maybe for you, it was when we were talking about adoption and fostering and you just feel like there's something inside of you, a pull to get involved somehow, some way. Or maybe it was last week with BJ and Tequila and it was something about some personal bias that you've had that, that just kind of came up to the surface as we were having this discussion last week and you realize there needs to be some conversation about it. There needs to be some turning around about it. There needs to be some change around that conversation. 
You feel like God's pulling, you feel like God is inviting you to be obedient just like he was inviting Gideon to be obedient. And I can tell you that starts with the first step. It starts with these small acts of obedience. It starts with a yes right now, and that yes right now leads to victory later on. You see, Gideon made a habit of obedience. And he found himself, after all of those yeses, yes to the fleece, and yes to the fleece, and yes to the thinning of the army, and yes to the thinning of the army, and yes to pots and torches and trumpets. And after all of those yeses, he finds himself right at the edge in the middle of the night, of an enemy camp with 300 really brave guys about to say yes one more time. He's about to say yes to the plan that God gave him. He's about to say yes to to trying to defeat this army of 135,000 trained warriors with these unconventional tools. And when he said yes that time and they broke the pots, and they lit that place up, and they made all kinds of noise on that trumpet, he conquered the enemy without even having to fight against the enemy. You see, what should have happened in those moments of confusion, that should have been all confusion for Gideon because it didn't make any sense at all. But when we obey God in the middle of that confusion, it brings so much clarity that God can turn the confusion around and what was supposed to harm us, that confusion, God will turn that around on our enemy and confuse the enemy with that same confusion that he was trying to mess with our hearts and our minds with. You see, God will win those battles for us if we'll just obey him and do what he's asking us to do in the fight. If we'll just obey and do what he's asking us to do, if we'll just say yes. Because in those moments, in that moment when, when Gideon is standing there and he breaks that pot, he's, it's like this representation of us being broken, our pride being broken, and humility coming through this light that confuses the darkness and the praise from those trumpets just confuses all the fear. Obedience brought them to this place where they were outnumbered and they're outgunned. Ever felt like that? Where obedience brings you to a place where you're just outnumbered and outgunned? But obedience also brought them to the place where God fought the battle for them and they didn't have to lift a finger to do anything. Because that's the way that God operates. That's the way that God works in the supernatural because obedience conquers confusion. Obedience to God conquers confusion in our lives, in our minds, and in our hearts. Five years ago, I had a little bit of a health scare. And it, it wasn't anything huge, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fairly healthy person. I don't, I don't really have a lot of health issues, thank God. But I, I remember we were driving back, my family and I, it was just uh, my wife and I and my daughter, we hadn't had our son yet. We were driving back from a water park. We'd been outside all day. It was hot and just kind of, you know, like what a water park would be. So we were driving home, and I realized as, we were, as I was driving home that I was starting to see some spots up on, on the horizon. And I was like, and they didn't look like, you know, like the sun was glaring or anything like that. It, it was just different. I'd never seen anything like it before. I'd never experienced anything like it before. And so I just kind of chalked it up to, all right, maybe it's just, it was bright outside. It was hot. I just need to, you know, get some rest or whatever. Cool off. So the, the spots, they're still there. We get home and everybody cleans up and kind of does their own thing and Deanna goes to the neighbor's house for something. So I'm there, our daughter's on the other side of the house playing and I'm just, I'm, I'm worn out, I'm beat from a, a long day. So I'm just sitting there and I'm, 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 I'm on my phone just kind of scrolling mindlessly as we have a tendency to do when we get our phones in our hands, right? We kind of go into that mode of just kind of scrolling through whatever it was. I was scrolling through Twitter, I think. And as I'm reading these tweets, I'm realizing that as, it's, it's hard for me to explain, as I'm reading them, 
Like, I understand what I'm reading, but I'm realizing that, that the words, even internally, as I'm reading it to myself internally, that they're sounding strange in my mind. And I was like, what, what, is, what is going on? And so I try to read them out loud all by myself. And as I'm reading them, I'm reading every single word. Again, it's hard to describe. I'm reading every single word. I know, I comprehend. It makes sense to me what the words are saying. But as I hear them coming out of my mouth, it's just complete gibberish. It makes no sense at all, and I can't control it. And now I'm starting to get freaked out. About that time, Deanna came home, and I was like, hey, I, I, come here. I, I, need to, I need to figure something out. And so I, I started to read something to her, maybe thinking, maybe I'm just hearing stuff. I don't know. Maybe I am coherent right now, and I'm, I don't know it. So I started, you know, trying to read something that was legible. In my mind, I understood, but when it was coming out, it was just complete and total, just nonsense, just gibberish. And she just kind of looked at me because, I, I mean, in all fairness, I mess with her all the time. So she was, like, trying to figure out, is this for real? Like, you messing with me? And when she figured out that it was, it was for real, she's like, okay, she's like, do you, do you want me to go next door and get Amy, our, our next-door neighbor's a nurse? She said, do you want me to go get Amy? I said, who? She said, Amy. I don't know who that is. She said, our neighbor, you know our neighbors. You wanna go get her? I don't, I don't know what you're talking about right now. I had no idea. I remember all this vividly, but I couldn't tell you who they were. And so at that point, Deanna gets very, very serious about this. And we get in the car and we're headed to the emergency room and, and I'm still like, she's asking me all kinds of questions. And I'm, I'm answering some of them I know. Really, the only things that I really remember knowing for sure was that she was my wife, I remembered her name, and I remembered our daughter and her name. That was it. Anything else was like just out of bounds. I, didn't, I had no idea what was happening. Most scared I've ever been in my life. Halfway between the house and the hospital, everything started coming back. By the time we got to the hospital, everything was okay. I was fine. I was in my right mind again, and everything, you know, I was able to communicate clearly, and I was thinking clearly. I, I, all that memory came back. But obviously, just scared. And after, you know, they you know, checked me out there. They sent me home with a list of follow-up appointments that I had with every specialist on the planet. And they didn't know what was going on for a little while. They thought maybe it was like a small stroke that had happened. They didn't know if it, whatever it was. So it finally ended up where they figured out that it was some compli- or, uh, symptoms of a migraine. I'd never had a migraine before in my life. Didn't know what that felt like. I just assumed it was a really bad headache and you got really sensitive to light. That's basically all I'd heard about it. And so I, that didn't happen. And so I wasn't thinking it was that, but they said that it can present with different symptoms at different times. Now, it's never happened like that again. God willing, it never will happen again. But man, it was scary. To be that confused, to not know who people are that you actually know is scary. To be that confused and to not know things that you should know to be that out of sorts was incredibly, incredibly scary. And I will never forget the helpless feeling of being confused in that moment. And if you're in here today and you're feeling that confusion in your heart and in your mind about decisions you have to make, about family issues, about sending kids back to school, about whatever it is that you're feeling confusion about. If you're battling that uncertainty and confusion, it might feel a little like that. It might feel overwhelming. It might feel a little helpless. But I want to remind you that God is not the God of confusion. That God is the God who will bring peace. Romans 8.37 says this, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Through Jesus Christ, when we humble ourselves and we are obedient 
through Jesus Christ, through Jesus and the sacrifice that he made, through Jesus and the victory that he obtained for us, we are more than conquerors. We can conquer confusion through Jesus Christ. If you would, everybody, just close your eyes, bow your heads as we close out in just a moment. But in a a moment of introspection, in a moment of just heart check in a moment of just searching your own heart right now with nobody else looking around. And, and, and just to let you know, I'm not gonna ask you to raise a hand or stand up or anything like that. I just want you to maybe evaluate and find a place in your life where you're dealing with some confusion, where you're feeling like things are upside down, where you're feeling a little helpless, where you're feeling like things are uncertain and you're not sure what's going on in your life. I want you to think about that place in your life and in your heart. And as helpless as it feels, as out of sorts as it feels, as confusing as it feels, just know that Jesus can bring clarity to that confusion. If there's any pride that's been holding you back, recognize that pride. If there's a lack of obedience, if there's something that you've been pushing back against, something that you know God wants you to do but you haven't stepped over the edge yet, identify that. And I wanna pray that God would help us to step into those things that are uncomfortable, into those sometimes confusing moments but that he would bring us peace in that confusion. If you're worried, if you're stressed, if you're scared, Jesus says, come to me. My burden is easy and my yoke is light. So we're gonna take up his burden and his yoke today. God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much for your love for us. God, we thank you that you are not the author of confusion, that you are the author of peace. You designed peace. And that peace is for us. So God, we hold on to that peace right now. We cling to that peace right now. In the middle of our moments of confusion, when we're not sure what to do or what to think, sometimes, God, we're not even sure what to believe. God, we pray that in those moments that you would send your Holy Spirit to bring that peace into our hearts, into our lives. God, I pray for those in this room right now that they've identified a place in their lives where you're stretching them. There's this call to obedience. God, I pray that you give them the boldness to step out to step out into that uncomfortable moment, to step out into that area where it seems confusing because I feel like, God, on the other side of that step, there is the clarity that we desire. There's the clarity through the confusion in those moments. God, I pray that you would help us to rid ourselves of our pride. God, help us to to see the places in our lives where we are trying to control you. Help us to, to give up the reins Help us to take your yoke on us because we know when we take your yoke that you pull with us. We're not alone. We're not by ourselves. I thank you that you are not the God of confusion. I thank you that you have never been confused and you will never be confused. Today we put our hope and our trust and our faith in you. We're expecting victories in our lives as we put our pride aside and as we humble ourselves and as we walk in obedience to you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.